Honda was like very private. So he loved being in the States where like literally he could drive an Audi to the dealership and they would try to explain to him how Quattro works <laughs> and like what was wrong with the car. And yeah. they didn't realize like on the wall was a picture of him jumping in the rally car. Normally, I'll do like the roll in right where we say uh, the person's name, at least at the very beginning. But this time around with recording it, I kind of skipped it. Uh, I had a conversation with Yuan, Vesa, uh, Mikola, who are the sons of Hanu Mikola. And uh, I was a little starstruck, right, just in, in the opportunity to speak with um, Hanu's uh, two sons about his amazing career. So I just kind of jumped right in in excitement. So pardon the screw up on my end uh which with that we'll jump right into the conversation and hope you enjoy it hi i i uh, i like the background there thank you very much yeah i um i can't see it and if i if i move my computer around i i uh i probably mess up my whole setup here but i have like different rally shots around the office it's nice such a great, that's such super a great cool area. yeah yeah that's hi. great what Good that, afternoon. is that an rs6 hi. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, that's basically a, it's a US spec tribute. Oh, nice. So, so wait, GT Spirit makes it, and then uh, the Black Sport Quattro, I think what uh, Roll and what uh, PX both had, both had one. Nice. I think they were the only two to get black ones. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I had a Nardo RS6, but I just sold it, unfortunately. So I did gotta, you? Yeah, maybe maybe get it back. But the market's so crazy, you know, that it's like right. it's, I drove it for a year and a half, and basically it was free. So I'm like, okay, might be yeah. a good time to to move into something a bit cheaper. Yeah, yeah. I um last year I uh I picked up actually that that car. I found a used one from uh just five thousand miles on it from uh nice. the the dealer in Westlake, California, and um the owner had traded it to a land rover dealer there and i guess they got a range rover or something and the, the land rover dealer didn't know what it was they just thought it was yeah. six so i i was able to buy it at normal money and and nice. uh, I, i'm still driving it but i i think you're probably smart to maybe um i i am i'm very aware of that at some point depreciation will hurt me <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah. and the more expensive car it is the more it's going to hit you you know so i'm like okay it might be might be the right time to yeah. exit and I have a friend who's a dealer, so I traded it in to him and he ended up having to sell it at a loss at auction. And I felt oh, super no. bad because the market was so hot and then it just changed in a matter of weeks, you know, and he's like, now it's, uh, it's very different out there. You know, you can start getting cars for, I guess, not depreciated money yet, but at least like without paying crazy surcharges on top of it. Yeah. yeah, and I think there was so much pent-up demand for that car, too, in the U.S. that, uh, what was it, 2000 a year that they were bringing to the U.S. anyway? So, you know, yeah. that's... It's not as a rare car as I think people initially initially perceived. Yeah, I look on. I mean, when the shortages happen, okay, but but uh, the, yeah, I look on Auto Trader now, and there are plenty of inventory, some out of exclusive ones. Um, I know the other thing I worry about, just being still in one and concerned about depreciation. We know the facelift is coming next year, and then yeah, that'll be that'll be mild. But then you've got the RS6 performance, and I'm debating it, like how long is too long to hold on to this thing? But I love it, yeah. so it's hard to. Hard to get rid of. It is a cool car for sure. Yeah. And I mean, it, the design is so awesome. It's just like one of the best looking cars I think ever made. So definitely isn't a bad daily driver to keep around. No, no, not at all. Are you in California or where are you? I'm actually in Pennsylvania. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, 
grew up here in Pennsylvania and, and I moved to DC for part of my adult life. Then we had kids, we moved back here near the parents. And so Hershey is the, the town, you know, where they make the chocolate and mm. whatever. Right? Yeah, well, you, guys, you guys have a minor league hockey team, right? The Hershey we Bears. do. Yeah. Hershey Paris, yeah. pretty, yeah. pretty historic team, I think in, in that league, but um, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. I used to work a lot in hockey and my wife worked at the national hockey league actually. So oh, really? it's like, know all the minor league teams a little bit too yeah and hershey's, uh, hershey's the one that does the uh, teddy bear drop right for, for yes. charity totally yeah i know that one yeah it's great uh that's a great tradition they do too and yeah, it's it's neat um and for a small town it's i'm literally like the hockey stadium is maybe i don't know three four hundred yards that way <laughs> so it's cool. it's it's nice and close um nice yeah so you guys are you in uh are you in florida or are you I didn't, that's one thing I didn't check ahead of time, but I know your father was living in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. So Hanno had a place in, he got his place in Palm beach in 79, uh, partially because his parents were looking uh, for a place to retire. And I think originally that's like, it may be correct me if I'm wrong, but it was uh, originally he was looking at a place in Spain and then they ended up a lot of his parents, friends ended up in Florida. There was like this big influx of, of Finns like moving into the Palm beach area and he just fell in love with it. He thought it was amazing. And, and he got a condo there. And we actually spent a lot of our younger years there. So kindergarten to fourth grade, we lived in Florida and then ended up moving back to, to Finland as a, as a family, but always kept the place. And then about eight years ago, I moved down here uh, to start my, my previous business, which uh, was a coding school. So teaching computer programming and I'm in Miami. So I'm not, I'm about an hour from from where my mom has the place now, but definitely a lot of roots to, to Florida. And it's, uh, it's great to be back because as, as a kid really felt like home, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's great to be here and a good moment. Yeah. Miami has been like growing like crazy. Yeah. I'm located in Toronto. So I'm actually north, of the, north of the border. Um, but the, the story with the condo in Florida is actually, it was a stop also for our parents honeymoon in 79. So they did a trip around the world and huh. they did stops according to Hondo's uh, rally schedule. So you know, basically he was driving all across the world and, and they did all these stops and, and the condo that they still, or, or my mom still has the apartment in was originally developed by a Finnish person. So they had kind of connections and through mutual friends knew of the, the condo. So they, they had to stop there and, and yeah, fell in love with it. And uh, so our grandparents on, on Hondo's side uh, retired there. And then, you know, our, our parents as well got a place there. And uh, I feel like they've been probably on every floor of that condo in different apartments. Since, since <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and what Honda was like very private. So he loved being in the States where like literally he could drive an Audi to the dealership and they would try to explain to him how Quattro works <laughs> and like what was wrong with the car. And yeah. they didn't realize like on the wall was a picture of him jumping in the rally car and he would never right. correct them, you know? And then uh, he said one time somebody figured it out and then he went back like the next day wearing a hat. And the guy was like, oh, you're from Finland. Like, do you know that Hanno Mikkola was here yesterday? And he was like, well, that's actually me. You know, but had, there's a rumor going around that this guy had been at the dealership, but he really liked the privacy, you know, like when he was driving, yeah. obviously people recognized him. And then here he could kind of do his own sure. thing, which I think he appreciated a lot. I, I was at the 12 hours of Sebring once and uh, in the paddock, they were doing the autograph session. And I was, uh, I was standing behind and photographing uh, Tom Christensen, uh, Alan McNish, and Dindo Capello, that driver team. And your dad just sort of like, he was waiting in line very unassumingly for, for an autograph. And he walked up to McNish and he's like, you know, can I get your autograph? And I don't know if Alan knew him ahead of time or not, but Alan certainly very, very quickly recognized him and he goes, how about I get yours? <laughs> right, like that would, that would be great. So it was-, it was that, that sounds like him. Yeah, he just yeah. kind of snuck in in a very stealth way. <sighs> That's a great story. 
Yeah, yeah. We had, we had race of champions here in Miami. I forget how many years ago, maybe it's like four or five years ago, but I had to convince uh, Hanno to come down and, and, and drive and be part of it, you know, cause I was like, it's in, it's in my hometown. We got to go see it, you know? And then we'd, we were walking in and I remember Vettel was walking in at the same time. I'm like, wow, that's Seb. We need to talk to him. And then my dad's like, fine. Okay. And, and Seb said the same thing. He's like, no, no, I want a picture with you. Like here's a real <laughs> race car driver. Like, can we, can we do some pictures? I was like, this is cool. Like such a, such an awesome moment, but very yeah. unassuming. He liked to like to kind of blend in and not stand out too much. That's very cool. So that shot that there's this one, I'm assuming then uh, the the shot you referenced when he was at the dealership, I think it was the one I see Audi of America use all the time. It's this one yeah, shot. One. I think, yeah, that's the one, the one car kind of in midair. And yeah, and it's kind of like dusty or foggy in the background. And, yep. and, and there's some debate actually to, to which rally it was taken in. And I think Audi corporately said it might have been Portugal or, or somewhere like that where it was taken. And then my dad was convinced it was in Finland. But I don't think um, they ever kind of found out exactly who the photographer was or, or where it was taken. And yeah. even when in some of the marketing, I actually worked for Audi Canada years mm-hmm. ago and, and most recently Volkswagen Canada, but um, I, I remember seeing it in our like marketing database and there was a version where they had actually Photoshopped it. So the car was much, much higher in the air. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they used it for all kinds of, uh, all kinds of uses I know in the marketing world. Yeah. yeah. I've, I swear I've seen it so many things at this point, but I've, I've always wondered too, like which rally is it at and who, who is driving it. So. Yeah, it's, it's definitely Hanno. Uh, and uh, I think the only debate is, is which rally it was. I, I want to say it was, was, you know, Audi Germany was saying it was Portugal. And then I remember talking to, to Hanno about it once and then he said it was Finland, but, uh, and he, he could even say like what junction, you know, it was kind of over a junction area and there was a little oh, yeah. jump. So he was convinced he knew exactly, exactly the spot for it. Well, it would seem consistent with that from everything I've heard of that rally. It would seem with, with uh, topography, he'd be interacting with it or driving. Yeah. Through. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, I, I drove rally for, for about seven years before I, I relocated to Canada. So I, I stayed in Finland for all my studies and, and kind of uh, drove at the same time and, and got to do it at a fairly high level, but but never, you know, at the, at the level that Hanu did. But I, I remember I drove rally Finland once. I, I think it was 2004. And, you know, we, we did some, you know, maybe maybe not so um, official, uh, you know, recce uh, of, of the stages. And, and I was just, um, you know, completely blown away with his, uh, first of all, his eye for the road, kind of anticipating where it goes, but then also yeah. his memory. Like he remembered all of the stages. And I mean, Rally Finland or Thousand Lakes Rally back in the day, you know, it used to go all over Finland. It would start in like Lahti, which is 100 kilometers north of Helsinki, and then go all the way up to, uh, you know, far, far north of, of Uvascula. And it was really a tour of Finland. So, I mean, he would know all the roads everywhere and uh, own Impohia especially, which is a really, really famous rally stage. I got to drive that. And I mean, uh, you know, this was like 30 years later and, and he uh, remembered exactly where the stages go. It was fantastic. I mean, that that era of rallying is just so, um, you know, I don't, I, I, I even today rallying is su- at such a different level from an endurance standpoint. But, but I look back in particular at, at that time, the cars are still so raw, you know, this, the, the roads are still relatively open and what they were, the, you know, where they went was, was very different than today with liability laws and everything else. Um, yeah. And then also and the machinery, the right? Like, the, yeah. yeah, the distances and they drove mostly during the night and then the machinery too. I mean, back then, if you were lucky to finish half your rallies, like that was good, you know, your car <laughs> would break down and especially Audi first coming into you know, the world championship, not only was a four wheel drive, it was kind of bringing back turbocharging, you know, it was the first real big team to, to have turbos in the cars. They had a new tire, they had new suspension, you know, so everything that could, you know, potentially break usually broke. And, and you know, they had a, 
kind of steep learning curve, at least, um, you know, in those first couple of years, for sure. I think your dad was one of the first people, there was Freddie Kotalinski, a couple of people involved very early, but I think your dad was one of the first drivers they contacted to come in and, and kind of test it. Does he ever, or did he ever talk about that period and kind of, uh, I guess how, you know, Audi looks very buttoned up by the time they're fully in it and whatever else, but I have to imagine those early days was very different, was a very different team. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way that he he described it to us at, at a time was he also signed a contract one year before he actually drove for them. So, you know, he signed basically like an open contract where he still was able to drive some, you know, world championship rallies in a Ford Escort and, and Mercedes at the time, as, as crazy it was, the 450 SLC, four-speed automatic, the, the big tank. So he was still driving those uh, those cars, but then he was also, you know, testing and developing the Quattro. And uh, I mean, you know, what's hard to believe now was that four-wheel drive back then was considered for Jeeps, you know, it was literally like for army, you know, utility vehicles. And and uh, it was unheard of that you could actually race with four-wheel drive. And, and I remember him saying the first time, you know, he drove the Quattro, it was basically like a 50-50 drive split and, you know, the thing would understeer crazy and you could just not, you know, get it to turn. So uh, I, I don't know if this is well known or not, but in the beginning, at least the 81 Quattro, they had an open diff in the front. So it was essentially three wheel drive car. It wasn't even huh. four wheel drive until they got kind of the, the diff sorted and stuff like that, because it was just so undrivable. But I mean, he, he, I don't think what was probably very appreciated, you know, with his move at the time was that it was a huge risk. Like it could have right. went bust, you know, and, and, and there was nothing that was kind of guaranteeing that, that it was going to succeed. So he took a really big risk. And, and I think over time, you know, was convinced that the, the, the format and the formulas was going to work. And, and, you know, he was the first guy essentially who signed on. I, I think Harold DeMuth was also doing some testing at the time, but, you know, he was really the first guy in. And then, you know, when Audi left rally, he was, he was the last guy out too. So it's really cool to, to have, you know, dad's name linked to really the beginning. And then also, yeah. you know, the last, the last bit of rallying as well. Yeah. And I think one thing that, that was uh, probably really helpful for him in making the decision was, he actually studied to be an engineer. So he knew a lot about how That's cars right. work, mechanicals. Like it was definitely like his backup, you know, like he was, uh, I think it was structural engineering, if I remember right, what he ended up studying. Yeah. yeah, civil engineering. But but he went through and finished that even when he pretty much had a path to like start driving. At the time, it wasn't super professional, you know, when he was finishing, but he really enjoyed that. And, and in later in life, I remember like, you know, he studied to be a helicopter pilot. He got a pro uh, license and flew people around professionally. Like he was just always reading and studying huh. and, and being really into kind of improving himself and, and using his mind. So I think the, that helped him when he was deciding like about this project, because like Vesa said, I mean, it was really like a military Jeep thing. And I think at the beginning, there, there's crazy stories when Audi went to like the FIA to try to get this approved, you know, and yeah. be like, hey, can we drive with four wheel drive? And we're just kind of laughing, like, why would you even ask that? Like, you know, sure you can if you want to be slow, you know, and right. then you come back and you dominate, you know, when the cars didn't break. So I think there was definitely a, a, a help there for him, you know, in terms of his background to understand what the potential was. And like Vesa right. said, huge risk, but but probably also being able to see that reward maybe more than some other drivers might have been able to see it. Do you know, like, I'm curious, that there's a period there right at the beginning, and I think your your dad was probably just getting signed on or or maybe, um, but what was the Dakar, the Iltis program, right? Like the, what was fascinating to me was when I looked at the timeline of it, I was trying to keep track of this and it was like, um, it, it, the they're literally like getting the FIA approval for the, for the, or Quattro uh, at the same time within weeks or, or months, maybe most, uh, within the same time they're running Dakar in in the Iltis and and winning like a slow ungainly thing 
um, but but winning uh, with that technology and and uh, it almost seemed like a bit of a like the the FIA didn't really understand what quad or quattro or all wheel drive would do to rally because it, of course it reset the you know the standard of what you needed to win, but um, do you know was he around during that time that, that, uh, with, with the the car program as well that I, I mean I know he didn't compete in it but if, I'd be curious if he if he was if he spent time in the in the iltis as well and saw the potential even in that that's a great question i i don't think so he might have um you know been at some of those early tests where where they had some of this stuff um you know side by side but um what i do recall is is you know he signed on a year like i think it was early 1980 or or, or some sometime there okay. with with audi so it was definitely, uh, you know, very early considering, you know, when they entered their first rally and, and, you know, as we know, he drove that first, uh, you know, zero car in, in the Algarve rally, um, which yeah. recently in this, in this Germany rally trip, we actually got to, to sit in an Audi tradition, which was, was fantastic oh. to, to see, uh, you know, his awesome. name on that car and actually sit in it and, and see kind of how it all started. And also how, you know, standard that road car was comparing to, you know, some of the, the rally cars, especially of today, but even later when, when the S1 and, uh, those beasts were out. So yeah, he, he definitely signed on early and, and, um, you know, was there working and developing the car and, and to Yuha's point earlier about his kind of engineering mind and, um, you know, always trying to make things better. I, I think he played a huge, a huge role in, in developing that car. Uh, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, I remember, uh, even afterwards or during that time, you know, he was almost, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, general contractor of the team, you know, and, uh, always, you know, making sure everything was going on and, and, may, and, and being done right, you know, even during services, I've seen so many videos and he's checking, you know, that everything's being done right, because, uh, you know, with a new team, they had kind of, you know, a lot of ups yeah. and downs and, and some, uh, some, some mis, uh, mishaps as well. So, you know, he was, he was very, very involved, I would say much more than kind of a driver is these days. Given his engineering background, do you think it was that sort of technical challenge, the fact that they were really kind of branching off into uh, you know, a direction nobody had seen yet in that space. Like, do you, do you think that's one of the things that sort of coaxed him away from, he was already successful and, you know, and, and, and doing well in more conventional rally cars, but, but uh, like you mentioned, this is a risk is I, I, I'd be curious if it was that kind of technological shift that made it may have drawn him in. I, like I'm sure it did. And I mean, the other thing was like, he was really at the end of his career almost at that point, you know, especially yeah. with like traditional driver ages now, you know, like it, it was definitely a move that, you know, he, he had to see potential to want to do that. And, and I know like, as soon as like, kind of, he got to winning the world championship, like he really like started to reduce his schedule, you know, at that Did point, he? because, you know, he was, I think he had already maybe thought about this project as something like, Hey, this could be, could be amazing, but you know, technologically, I don't, I don't think anyone could have predicted how massive impact it would have on not just rallying, but I mean, road cars today, right? Like, yeah. I don't think you can it'd be hard to think of anything in my opinion in racing, you know, where you could point to something like a moment where the FI says it, it's okay to do that. You know, that would have right. such a, you know, pivotal impact on the cars that you and I drive today. Right. So I think that's a really cool, cool thing to, to look back on. And, and obviously at the time, like to say he knew it was going to end up like that, I don't think it's true, yeah. but I think he saw, he saw potential there to, to help build something and be part of a team and, and be a part of this kind of like, opportunity for him later on to give back in his experience and, and maybe win some rallies, but, but it ended up right. being probably more successful than he could have ever imagined as well. Yeah. And I, I think also what's interesting kind of that, of that time was that, you know, the driver's championship had only existed for a few years. He, you know, had lost by one point to Bjorn uh, Weldegard in 79. And, and, and that was, 
um, you know, they were teammates at the time and they had, you know, agreed to a certain schedule to, to race. And, and um, you know, it just, you know, one thing we've also heard, you know, when we talk to people and, 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 and you know, fellow rally drivers and, and, and people of that era, they've all commented, you know, what, what a great gentleman he was, you know, and this example definitely is, is part of it where, you know, they had agreed on a schedule with Bjorn before uh, the year started. And, you know, he ended up losing the championship one by one point in the escort and would have had an opportunity to drive an extra rally and actually win the championship if he had wanted to. But he was such a gentleman that, you know, he, he and Bjorn had talked and this is a schedule, we're going to stick to the schedule. And he actually didn't go to that last rally, which, you know, then allowed Bjorn to, to win the World Gyrus Championship the, the first time. But but I think that's also in, in, you know, had only existed for a few years, but Hanu had been rallying since the mid sixties, you know, and he had won the London, Mexico, you know, cup rally in 1970. He had won safari in 72. He had like, you know, basically won or had a chance uh, of winning, you know, all the big events, you know, before there was a championship. So I think going to Audi and kind of signing on to that program was also to Yuha's point, um, you know, a chance for him to, to get that, get that championship that, you know, hadn't existed, but, would also, you know, obviously be a great, great career achievement. You know, it, it's striking as you're saying that uh, one of the other things I, I uh, was curious about bringing up today is, uh, is Michelle Mouton. And a couple of times I've spoken to her. Um, one of the things she, she speaks so highly of your father uh, and in particular, you know, learning the quad, you touched on this earlier, learning the quattro in those days, it was such different car to drive and to, to get it to go fast was a, a, definitely a rethink in, in, uh, in driving. And, uh, she, she, uh, pays a lot of credit to your dad, at least the, the couple times I've spoken to her, uh, on the subject is about how instrumental he was in, uh, in kind of being very open and, you know, maybe teaching her skills that would cause her to be a stronger competitor against himself as well, even within the team. Yeah, sure. But, but, uh, at that time you see some of the quotes that were said about her, et cetera, in the press, like, it was definitely a, a kind of boys club that, you know, she was the only woman to this day, the only woman to have ever won a WRC round. And so um, it, it sounds like, you know, your dad was so selfless with her in, in teaching her that I, I it just seems very, uh, it, it, a, a strong juxtaposition to maybe how the time was right. Like both from a race car drivers are always very competitive. And then on top of that, a woman in this space at that time, uh, is is very abnormal and and yet here he was being you know so so giving and and helpful in that way yeah I mean I I honestly think it's one of the things I'm the most proud of like hearing stories like that it, it's awesome I think in some ways he, he was probably ahead of his time in terms of how he approached that situation but I also think that's just how Honda was like he was very open he didn't believe in you know trying to keep info from your teammate or even from your other competitors in order to try to win that way he really felt that the, the best driver whoever that driver would be would would win the race and you know if it meant um you know that somebody could get a big advantage or a little advantage from something he shared he felt that that should go the other way too and and people should share that information and and he always he knew the people like you know on the on the circuit with him where he kind of felt that come back and he also knew the people who uh, he had to learn the hard way that would tell him something and he'd end up at a rally and find out that they lied about the tire that mm. they tested and, you know, on purpose, put him on a slower tire in order to, to beat him. And those are things that, you know, even in his late days, like he would remember. And he's just like, he's like, that. I was never that type of competitor. You know, I always felt that the, the fastest driver is going to win. And, and I think in Michelle's case, like, you know, Michelle came in as, as an exceptional talent, like, you know, insane and, and just so uh raw and, and capable and and really uh fast as, as a driver and 
I don't think he saw Michelle as a, as a female driver. I think he saw Michelle as a really amazing fast driver who could win the championship. And, right. and like any teammate, he's, he supported her and helped her. And, and uh, you know, it's too bad she didn't get that championship. It was so yeah. close. And I think yeah. for motor racing as a whole to have had a female world champion today would be, would be so amazing in terms of motivating like the next generation to really get through. But what she did, I think is exceptional and just like a, a huge achievement for her personally, but just demonstrating that like, there's no reason a woman can't win races, like whatever series right. it is, it doesn't matter. And I think motor racing needs to remember that and, and do a lot more to support that and push that forward. Yeah. And, and there's a, there's a great video clip. I think it's from maybe 82 or 83,000 likes rally in Finland where uh, you know, Hanna was on the on the radio with with Michelle, and Michelle is having some issue with the car, and it, it's it's on fire. Or there's a small fire in the engine, and and he's like talking talking her through the situation of what she should do. You know, and then at one point he's just like, drive it in the lake, just drive in the lake. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's it's a really funny clip that I'm sure you can find on YouTube even. But uh, but yeah, I, I think he did a great job of of, of helping her out. But uh, vice versa, I, I'm sure she pushed, you know, Hanu to, to be uh, better as well as a driver. And, and uh, to Yuha's yeah. earlier point, like he really did, you know, believe in a, in a fair playing field. And, and um, uh, you know, he, he did, uh, unfortunately, experience some of that, you know, negative side of competitive competition as well at times uh, from teammates and others. But he always, um, you know, was almost too fair, <laughs> you know, in, in, uh, uh, in the past. That's admirable though, right? Being fair when you don't have to be and when it doesn't mm -hmm. benefit you directly, yeah. right? Like that's, that's I think the, the best show of character. That's, that's pretty awesome that he was that way. Yeah, and that yeah. was like well beyond racing. I mean, he yeah. always believed in that and just like approached life as like, everybody's totally equal. Everything's super fair. And like, you know, you're gonna basically live your life according to that. So he definitely didn't deviate from it in, in personal life either. And it was one of the biggest things about his character that I admired a lot. Yeah, and I think at the time also there was um, there was I think a closer kind of link and a closer uh, club uh, you may say amongst the Finnish drivers. You know, Sohanna was kind of the old guard. You know, his his main idol growing up was you know Timo Mäkinen and some of the early guys. You know, who who were excellent escorts and some of the other cars. But you know, then there was a whole generation that was you know ten years younger than him that came through. You know, like Gankunen, for instance. Uh, you know, Tommy Mackinen, uh, Hanu helped him get a, a spot at Mazda, you know, early on and, and um, you know, get a chance there. Even Ari Watanen, you know, um, kind of, um, uh, you know, got his got his first chance uh, in the Finnish championship, um, you know, uh, by 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 support from from my dad. So, um, you know, there, there was there was a lot that he did also to, to help kind of uh, other Finnish drivers and other drivers in general. And uh, it, it's great to also hear those stories where um you know it, it's almost a different generation but you know he, he also raced against those guys and he was always joking mm -hmm. that especially um you know uh Toivonen or, or Henry Toivonen who, who unfortunately passed away he, he began you know driving against his father Pauli Toivonen and, and finished driving you know against the son so he was always joking saying that you know I started driving against the dads and, and now I'm still driving against the sons huh that's funny did, did he ever uh I, I'm curious I I most of the research I, I apologize I, in prepping for this conversation was about your dad or about the specific race uh the the um this revival of the Olympic uh, Olympia rally but but I, what how did this play out with with you two did he uh did did he uh, encourage you guys to race uh or to to spend time behind the wheel competitively or or uh what, what experiences did you have 
we'll, we'll take turns on this one, but I think like for, yeah. me, for me at least, and I think Vesta too early on, I mean, it was the polar opposite. He was always like, don't do this. Like I remember him telling me like, get a real job. You know, this is, I, I've seen the, not just the dangers, but I think the difficulty of making it, you know, and I think one of his biggest things was seeing drivers who were really, really good, but just didn't have that like last little bit, you know, and that extra gear. And, and then your life goes to just chasing that dream, you know, and you never quite make it, you know, and sure. it's only really the, even today in rally, only the very top, you know, who really make it a good career. So I think his, his thing was always like, you know, get a real job. I remember that really clearly, but uh, it started with getting a good education, you know, and I think also the, the thing that he did give me that kind of motivates me as an entrepreneur today is like, he said, he's like, I was very lucky that I got to do what I love every day. So I never felt like I was working. And and I knew like, for me, that's not going to be racing, but it's going to be something. And for me, it was entrepreneurship and building companies and being able to do things that really feel like exciting and fun and, and, you know, challenging rather than something that would maybe be a traditional nine to five. So definitely remember kind of his words and that, that direction, like every single day when I'm doing stuff and, and I'm really happy for him that he got to do something that he loved so much, you know, that right. he was able to go out there and not just be good at it, but really enjoy what he was doing. Yeah. And he had such an extensive career. I mean, it spanned really 30 years. Um, you know, he did his last world rally championship event, you know, properly at age 50, <laughs> 1993, <laughs> a thousand lakes for, for Toyota. So, you know, he definitely had a, had a, had an amazing career, but um, yeah, fully agree. I, I mean, I, I actually owe it to, to our mom, uh, for, for, you know, the chance that I got to drive rally where, uh, we had kind of a ski cabin in, in Northern Finland and, and, um, you know, our, our parents really liked to, to downhill ski, but it wasn't really kind of translating to interest in, in, in the boys or myself. So, um, uh, you know, Hanno and I had been to a couple of Finnish championship rallies just to watch. And, you know, I had, I was probably like 16 or something at the time and expressed a bit of interest, like, Hey, this is cool. So, uh, kind of in a ploy to, to get me up there to, to spend some time. Uh, he bought an old 79 uh, Escort RS2000, you know, not the greatest shape, but rear wheel drive and kind of a, a nice starter car. And uh, the downhill slopes were in front of a, uh, a, a lake, which they, they obviously froze during the winter and they had the Audi drive, winter driving experience on there. So there was an ice track ready to go. And uh, I would go there for a week and he kind of just left me there. And, and you know, I was putzing around in this escort and then you know Hanu came back a week later and, and he was like who's this crazy guy going sideways in the escort and that'd been me uh just practicing and and after that he was like oh wow you know maybe maybe you know I should give it give a shot and see where it goes and um you know it was my mom who did that initial convincing that I could drive and and um you know okay it didn't become a career but uh, I still got to uh got to do it at a level that most people don't do. I, I the Asia Pacific championship for with Suzuki for a bit and, and UK and then Finnish championship. So I got to drive and experience a lot and see a little bit of the world. So definitely had an appreciation kind of for, uh, for, for what it would look like, but, um, but also it was great kind of life education as well. I mean, I was in my early twenties and, um, you know, the thing I've always liked about rallying is, is similar to kind of Hondo's persona in terms of always wanting to get incrementally better. Rallying really taught me that, Hey, you're always trying to find that second or half a second, you know, no matter what it is. And, you know, it, it's not circuit racing where, you know, you break up a hundred every single time. It's a little bit art, a little bit science. So, you know, you truly never know if you got it completely right. So you're always trying to incrementally and, and, and little by little get better. So that, that was an awesome kind of life school for me and, and um, initially owe it to my mom, but then Hanno obviously was a super supporter and, you know, he was all at all the rallies, always, always watching me. And, uh, he was also joking that, you know, he was never nervous when, when he was driving, but then when I started driving, it was like a whole different level of yeah. nervousness and anxiety. So, 
Um, so yeah, um, but, but he never pushed us in the beginning, it kind of came naturally and uh, right. very fortunate that I, I got a chance to, to try it out. Yeah, yeah and, and Vaza drove so well, considering how, how late he started, you know, like you would think in, in our case, having Hondo as a dad, like we would have been go-karting at four or something, but right. to, to actually start at 16 is, is kind of crazy, even today, even more so, but but even even when Vesa was starting. So he definitely made it far uh, starting so late. And and I had the chance also to co-drive uh, with my dad. So I got to do, actually with Vesa too, which was really cool, mm-hmm. but I got a chance to do like, we did the, the one that I'll always remember is London, Sydney in a classic escort. We were 32 days in the car together. And did like 20 wow. different countries and and just got a chance to go across the world and it was and I was 19 at the time so it was it was a great experience and just to like be there and get to see like what he did as a career and realize like that skill you know and capability like right. he was already retired at that time but but it, it was awesome you know like just a really cool experience I'm happy to to have had with him yeah and I, I got a chance uh much later on and I think it was actually Hondo's last rally but um uh, we got invited to the Lake Superior rally um, in, in an escort. So we were kind of the zero car and, and I jump in as, as the co-driver. I, I couldn't read the notes worth worth anything. So uh, into the first stage, I just threw it away and I said like, look, I, I can't do this. But but again, he was so good at all the blind rallies and reading the road. It was, it was truly was fantastic. Serious. I mean, you know, a, a guy pushing 70, you know, going going so fast in, in an escort. So yeah. uh, that was really cool. And then also, you know, in later years, we were fortunate enough to go to Goodwood Festival of Speed with him, you know, and Audi, Audi tradition has been, you know, a great kind of supporter uh, of him. And and now recently us with, with the revival, um, Olympia revival as well. But one of my memories is jumping in um, uh, on, on the, on the hill at Goodwood in a, in an Audi S1 and, and, him just going as fast as he could and, and just oh, experiencing yeah. that raw power and, and crazy crazy speed of that car it felt like you were in a rocket ship did it really I, yeah that, that car was, is a beast i was gonna so was i'm curious if he because you mentioned he was there until you know the end of development at, at audi uh that was one of the things michelle said about you know, when they went from the s1 to the s1 e2 like it was just it was so like it was crazy right like the, like it, at that point she was like i don't know that that's just a little like it, 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 she, I, when she did Pike's Peak, she chose to say, I think that she may have had an option in her last year to run an E2. And, and it was so knife's edge uh, that she really wanted something that was a little bit more, um, uh, the, 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 I was not so, so, so knife's edge rather to get through that. And of course she won. Um, so good choice uh, there. But I, I'm, it sounds like that final evolution of the car was really quite extreme. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah and, and there's there's the video I think Vesa talked about from Owen for here, like when he's he's in that S1 E2 and it's it's somebody repurposed it kind of for, for YouTube after he passed away. And it's a really cool video. And I just remember him talking about that and saying like how that was one of the only times he really felt like he was outside of the car when he was like watching himself right. drive because like the speed, the performance was just so high, you know, that it was somehow this like out of body experience where he just like got the stage that, you know, was the fastest stage, the one that he knew the best. Um, they had, a, I think the summer place was nearby, you know, where, where he grew up. So like, this yeah. was like a place where like, you know, he knew he could go all out. And when he got to that level, it kind of like became this almost like spiritual, you know, experience of, of, of him doing it. But definitely those cars were, in my opinion, like on the edge, you know, and obviously it, it ended up crossing that edge, unfortunately, you know, and yeah. kind of going back, but, but, but amazing, you know, engineering feats. And, and I think still for me, my thinking of eighties rally is, you know, that S1 E2 is like the, sure. 
the the example of like how how crazy it got you know and having a chance to have have written in you know that some of the originals and the replicas like it's still like to this day like i mean maybe an rs6 today can like match some of the performance figures but the way hmm. it feels and the way that the the weight of the car and and just that nervousness of of how the car feels like even as a passenger like it's just it's incredible like it's i don't think they'll ever make something like that again yeah 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 and then you know I, I think with with the e2 especially i mean that car i think in competition competition trim was you know under a thousand kilos you know anywhere from five to six hundred horsepower depending on how much you know you want to pull out of the turbo which was the other crazy thing too was was you know you, you could basically adjust uh, you know the boost from stage to stage if you wanted to you know and the only only thing that you're kind of fighting against is the reliability or, or you know potentially what it does to, to the engine or the, or the turbocharger but um, but yeah, I mean, so like, you know, I, I guess it was the closest that rallying will get to kind of a two frame chassis, to be honest, like you just right. had Kevlar bodywork on the outside, you know, it, it really is uh, not there to, to protect you. But I think, you know, to Audi's credit as well, you know, they wanted to keep that link to the road cars. So they kept with the front engine, you know, format of the car and, you know, competition or, or competitiveness wise, obviously that put them at a, at a back foot compared to Lancia and, and Peugeot, but uh, from a safety perspective and kind of relevancy to, to the road car, they, they wanted to keep that link, which also made it safer for the drivers, you know, and, and there's yeah. crazy rumors of, you know, the Lanchias and, and Peugeot's yeah. where, you know, the drivers were, were sitting on the, on the fuel tanks and stuff like that. So if you had an accident, it was, it was, it was going to be really, really nasty. So, um, but performance wise, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and, and also the turbo lag, that's something that we won't experience anymore, but it's literally you have nothing. And then all of a sudden it's like, Boom. you know literally you're in a rocket ship and, and you're taking yeah. off it's it's such raw raw power yeah, it's funny i have a um i i have a, a an audi 4000 right like a, a like an 80 quattro b2 uh an early one and and i had a, a chance to drive audi of america has just a regular road uh sport quattro uh that's in their collection and had a chance to drive it and i was until that boost came on i really i was like oh yeah this is nothing it's just like the 4000 right and then the, the boost hits <laughs> you're like wow that's that's very different. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And timing that, I suppose that's the, the magic of the three foot. Uh, yeah. The, and, and, and the, and the 85, you know, a thousand likes rally, uh, it, you know, it was only Pohia, which is, is the most famous stage and, and probably the stage that he also knew, knew the best. Um, you know, he had, had an off, like, I think it was on the first stage of that rally where, where, uh, you know, he hit the rear end and, and, uh, you know, damaged suspension. So he had lost a bunch of time and, you know, he was really pissed going in, into the stage and he was like, look, we're really gonna, you know, give it a shot now. And, and I remember him saying that like, yeah, he felt out, outside of the car, but he also said due to the wings and everything like that, it was, it was very hard to kind of understand where the limit of the car was. He was just like, mm -hmm. you could push it, push it, push it, go faster and faster and faster, but then you were also getting more downforce. So, you know, it was very hard to kind of understand where, where the, uh, the limit was in terms of, um, you know, what those wings could do. And, yeah, and I, I think between the original, you know, S1 and the E2, the big, the big difference obviously was the short wheelbase that made it super nervous that car, and 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 that one without the wings or the the prior version to the E2 was was very very hard to drive because, uh, um, you know, it was it was always understeering until it oversteered and, and and just was a nervous nervous car to to drive apparently. Yeah. yeah. What tell tell me about the um this well both your relationship with Audi tradition and the olympia revival it's it sounds like a fascinating event it was really yeah, so, really amazing yeah go ahead Beza. 
Yeah, I was just going to mention um, Audi tradition. So, and so obviously Hanu over the years has, as always, um, you know, had close ties to to tradition. And I mean, it, I don't think you have to go very far into the past that you know there there wasn't any sort of you know historic element to, to Audi. So, so that grew pretty rapidly, and and um, you know Hanu um, was always up up to to represent Audi if if um, if given a call and. More recently, um, we know Timo Vips uh, there, who's um, you know running running the the operations for Friday Tradition, and he's a uh, he's a great guy who's who's also a supporter. Sure. So he he supported us uh, at, at this Olympia rally, and uh, uh, you know who knows, maybe we'll have a chance to to do some stuff in the future again. But uh, they have four cars of Hanno's now, so um, you know after the Olympia rally, we we did a quick visit and and went to look at those cars and. Uh, it, it's just fantastic to kind of, you know, see the name on the side of the car and, and, and sit in the cockpit and, and have that, have that experience. Yeah. And, and how like original the cars were, like, I'll always remember the, the safari winning car is there, like the, the taxi, they call it the bigger, the bigger quattro. And like, uh, Timo was mentioning the tape around the number of yeah. how they tape the numbers, the original tape still, you know, so like oh, really? to be able to like, you know, sit in that car and feel that everything is like, they made a couple of small changes, but everything is so close to original. It's really, really amazing to get to do that. But, uh, but this rally was, was incredible. So it, the, the re revival was planned for, for quite a few years. I mean, it's 2,500 kilometers across Germany. So like the, the organizers and, and the team who put this together, like absolutely incredible to, to be able to redo this rally 50 years later, but kind of what this rally was known for was, was Walter kind of made his, breakthrough in this rally originally and and uh with the celebration it was really a chance for him to to kind of go back and and drive across germany in a way of how it all started but he wanted to also bring along as many of the original competitors as possible and and hanno had had raced in in that rally it, it ended quite early like he had had some troubles with the car but he was still at the time one of the big names you know who was part of the the rally so they had contacted him years ago to be like hey we're planning this thing and and he had said you know, if I'm alive, I'll be there, like count mm -hmm. on it, you know, and, and mm -hmm. unfortunately he, he couldn't be there. But when that happened, um, uh, Walter's team, uh, especially Alois, who, who does a lot of the, the coordination for the rally and for, for Walter, he reached out and was like, would you guys be interested in doing it? Because just having the name there would be would be really cool and, and it would be a great experience for you guys. And at the time, we didn't yet know that Audi Tradition would also be interested in getting involved. So we said probably, you know, like with our schedules and we have young kids and work and everything yeah. like taking three days off is crazy. And this was 11 days. And I think Vess and I right away said, yes, like, we'll figure it out. Don't <laughs> worry, we're in, you know, and then uh, we ended up committing to it. And then uh, like Vess, I mentioned, Timo is a huge supporter at ID Tradition. So him and Alois had, had spoken and figured out a way for us to actually get in an original quattro for the whole trip. And Very this cool. this rally was so incredible. I mean, first of all, Germany is such a beautiful country. We got to do some of the original roads. Uh, some of the original stops, like this Platling track, which Vesa will probably talk about, like this dirt racing track, which was so cool. But also the cars that were there, there were almost 300 classic rally cars, some originals, some replicas, but the, the parking lots alone were like insane. Like we'd just walk around and see <laughs> different people and talk to them. And you would meet people had seen dad drive, people who worked on his teams. We even had people come with photos that uh, Hanu had autographed, some of one was of a rally that I had co-drove for, for Hanno and Hanno had signed it. And I don't know how anyone had gotten a picture of this because it was not a big rally. There was no reason, right. but but it was a race that I had done with him and got to sign this picture. And it was just so cool that to see so all cool. these fans and people who had impressions from way back, you know, of, of watching rally and had become lifelong fans. So it was just a really, really cool experience and, and loved it.
Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And, and, you know, we can't thank Alois uh, Drexler and, and obviously Audi Tradition and Timo enough. Um, you know, I, I think Alois did some some great negotiating on our behalf uh, with, with Audi Tradition to, to make it happen. And the, the car we got to drive was actually the original practice car of Michelle's. And um, it was a car that uh, Walter had done the 2017 um, historic Monte Carlo with. Uh, so basically, you know, competition car or near competition car, but they had put standard and uh, standard engine and standard uh, suspension in it. So you could do the long distances. And obviously with it being 2,500 kilometers, you can't take, um, you know, a, a historic uh, museum car that, you know, with, with uh, race, race spec engines and, and do that type of kilometers. So yeah. it was great to have this car, car to be able to do it. And, and obviously it was non-competitive. It was like a time, time and speed, you know, distance type event, but you know, there was a few uh, closed stages and, and um, this plattling uh, uh, basically was a mo motorcycle speedway track, like so big, you know, dirt track. And, and uh, it was pretty interesting because we kind of heard, you know, people talk about it. It was part of the original thing in 72 where there was huge crowds, you know, in the arena watching and, and they would send a couple of cars at the same time. And, and literally for us, you know, in this uh, A1 Quattro, they you know, threw us on, on the track and said, you know, have fun, no helmets, nothing like that. And, and we're like, okay, we'll give it a shot. And uh, luckily I still had some of the, the skills <laughs> from my rallying days and then we got to, you know, do a couple Scandinavian flicks and, and throw the car around. So that was definitely a highlight for me. I, I saw your story on Dirtfish, probably worth Googling for if anybody's listening to this, but, but, but I think one of the shots is showing you, uh, drifting it a bit there. Um, yeah, there. yeah. And it's not easy. I, I mean, that car in itself is not the easiest to, to drift. And, uh, you know, I was joking with Timo that next time, if there is a next time, I'm going to need a little bit more power just to keep that slide going. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of the other things you guys mentioned in that story was uh, a, a closed portion through the woods where you were, you had to be a chance to be, you, I guess you were chasing, if you will, uh, Walter, uh, through that, that had to be both crazy and and uh um I, i'm curious how well you were able to chase him i know that walter roll is obviously a legend but but that sounds like such an incredible experience uh the the crazy thing was that i was driving at the time that was oh, not yeah? the plan you know like that was <laughs> obviously the uh, the main driver and i'm the co-driver but it yeah. just we didn't know what sections everything was in german we didn't know what sections were closed and what weren't sometimes right. we drove the the non-closed sections as if they were closed and, and and vice versa but this was like a proper mountain stage so they had actually closed it off and when we got there it was just like okay well as i was like i got to do the the other ones like just go for it and see what happens and and uh it was insane like just such a cool experience and it was basically just like one lane like mountain road you know and just trying to keep those guys in sight and then yeah. there was a moment when Vesa was just like listen drive within your limits like <laughs> let them go you know like don't even try and I was like okay good I needed to hear that and I was like yeah. okay, back off a little and make sure we don't we don't bring the car back in a bunch of pieces so it was yeah but the reason was I was starting to get scared so that's fun yeah exactly so I was like hey I, this is I'll tell you that's far. to me whenever I've spent time I'm not the most track experience I've got some track experience I can hold my own I suppose but like I always find I'm in the worst space when I'm behind somebody I'm trying to keep up with, right? Because I find yeah. myself doing things I'm not really prepared to do. And um, and so, yeah, that's I, I find that one of the most, the diciest portion of being on a track is being behind somebody who's faster than you and, and trying to keep pace with them. Yeah, and especially if you've never driven a rally car before and mm -hmm. you're driving a, an Audi Tradition original car, probably not For a sure. good idea to try, you know? So so it was good. We backed off. And I mean, obviously, that is still like crazy quick, you know, yeah. and uh we're driving with a couple of the other original uh, drivers too. So it was cool to, to just see even the lines they were taking and what they were doing. And, 
I think another thing that was so cool about this rally was like the way they had put it, it went through little towns. Like we basically were on the highway maybe for a total of one hour, you know, over seven days. So it was all back roads, little towns. And every single town had a group of people who were gathered there to wave on the cars. And Walter would go first and we would kind of come after and, and everywhere just crowds, people cheering, so excited, you know, to, to see this rally in a way that it had come through 50 years ago. So it was just a really amazing yeah. experience and shows like the passion of the motorsports crowd in Germany but also the following that Walter has, like, you know, I, the best I could describe yeah. it is like, you know, I've always thought Schumacher is like the, the God in right. Germany, you know, but he definitely has that uh, following and so generous with his time, like everywhere he went, signed autographs, spoke to the fans, like really gave so much of himself to the fans. So it's no wonder that he's remained such a big star, you know, in Germany. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He really does have a cult status uh, over there. It was, it was fantastic to see every little town on the side of the road, you know, huge groups, uh, you know, cheering Walter on. And, and um, I, I found it crazy to see how many cars he's actually signed and yeah. autographs on. Like we, <laughs> you know, he'd stop at yeah. all these villages and then see the parking lots. Like literally every car would have Walter's signature on it. It was crazy. Yeah, especially brands he never drove for, you know, it's like, oh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. funny, like a Volkswagen yeah. Beetle or something would still have his, his autograph on it. Yeah. Well, I guess when you run into him, you can't really necessarily choose what you're, what you're driving at the moment. <laughs> but you won't want to miss the opportunity. That's fantastic. Was, was yeah, he no, driving? Think, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, was he driving an Audi that day too? or or? Yeah, he had, a, he had a bunch of different cars that and he was driving. And originally in 72, he was driving an Opel Cadet. So yeah. that was kind of the first first car he was driving the rally. But there was definitely an Audi day when we went to Neckarzum, um, you know, the other the other main facility of, of Audi. And, and sure. there... Uh, Audi tradition had done kind of a handoff where, you know, he was driving a white sport quattro um, road car that he brought it there and, and they had just finished restoring his, uh, I believe it was the 85 Portugal car. So it wasn't an E2 S1, but the, the short wheel base S1. And uh, he drove that for the, the rest of the day, but they had made this kind of cool handing off ceremony uh, right in front of the, the main Audi office building and, and a whole bunch of fans, even employees from, from the, the building had come down to, to watch. So that was definitely a very cool experience. That That's was probably fun. the coolest part of the convoy was driving behind that car. And then, yeah. and then in our Audi tradition car as well. And it just, people, people were going crazy and it just looked good. And that car just sounds so crazy. It was really fun. For sure. Yeah. I, and then, and then in this motor cross or, or the speedway track also, he, he did drive uh, somebody else's uh, E2 replica. So it wasn't like an original car, but yeah. uh, that was pretty, pretty cool to see. So, um, I mean, it was on basically like slick kind of autocross tires. So not best suited for gravel, but uh, just hearing that, you know, uh, hearing that go and the, the power and, and the slides was pretty cool as well. It's interesting that era car. I can only imagine, uh, you know, you guys doing what you're doing on a rally with Volta, et cetera, and in in rally cars. But like we had a um, last year or earlier this year, Audi Club gave away an Urquattro uh, in our sweepstakes uh, that we do annually, and and so we had this 20 valve. It's 85 car that's been swapped to a 20 valve that that we gave away. But for I, I got to drive it briefly to a couple of events, and it's funny just in traffic how many people here in the U.S. you know would you know would recognize it and literally roll their windows down. Is it real? Is it real? Tell me more about it. I can only imagine the attention you all got uh, driving across Germany in in you know fully liberated rally spec cars. Yeah, and of course. With Walter. Yeah, I think most people probably mistook, mistook us for Walter, and that's why they were excited. But yeah. <laughs> but definitely, uh, definitely in the Quattro was cool, and I mean. 
uh, you know, when it became, came to like hour nine or hour 10 in the car every day, we were just, you know, starting to get a little bit tired. You know, it also was a quite strong fuel smell in, in the car too. So, um, you know, it was, it was a little bit draining towards the end of it in very hot days, but every once in a while we'd see a glimpse of the car kind of in a shop's, you know, glass or mirror, you know, like, yeah. wow, that looks cool. And it instantly give you, uh, give you some more energy to keep on going. So yeah, that, that car was, was fantastic. And it's, it's really, you know, the A1 and the A2 is what I kind of most strongly associate with, with Hanno as well. You know, 83 was when he won the championship and, um, you know, he, he really was kind of Mr. Quattro of, of, of the early days. So, so those cars I, I feel are, are really the ones that Hanno also, um, you know, was the most comfortable in. I mean, you mentioned meeting fans of your father, uh, on the event. And, uh, of course the, the autograph moment, were there any, any other, one moments that really stuck out to you of of uh uh of interacting with them or or is it more just you know how how great it is i guess that they 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 still come out they still draw uh and come and find you i i think one thing i was really surprised about was how many young fans there were so there were a lot of people who like had taken like kind of the 80s generation like quattros and like modified them a lot of people had like lowered them made them look like you know, these engine bays looked like works of art, you know, like yeah. just super stunning cars. And they knew all about the Quattro history, you know, we're so excited. They would drive behind us, like when we drove through their town and, you know, kind of follow along. And yes, there's those fans who like actually remember it and were there. And then there's this whole generation that's kind of learned of it from YouTube or, you know, from Audi history. And, and I think that's yeah. really, really cool. And I think when you think about Audi as a car brand, like this is something that like only Audi has, you know, and, and it's amazing to see Audi tradition really like embracing that, you know, cause I think it's such a, yeah. such a massive differentiator. So I think that was a big surprise for me was to see like how many, how many young uh, fans there were that were just like super excited about this generation of car and this generation of rallying. And then it was really cool to also meet people who had actually like worked on uh, my dad's cars or on some oh, yeah? of the teams so that was really cool and we could ask like what was he like and you know what kind of interactions did you have and it was great for us because like some at some points like it got pretty emotional when we were like remembering him and like driving and you know there's a moment when we were crying in the car together and just like remembering these times of like you know how it must have been for him you know and and what he was going through and it, all of the the crazy things he had that that worked out and all the crazy disappointments and crashes and you know everything through his career because we definitely knew him as a dad, uh, but yeah. that was such a big part of him, you know, as a person too. So it was really, really a special opportunity. And I think for Vesa and I, that was the main thing was to, you know, get a chance. Like we rarely get a chance to hang out that long together, but also have a chance to like talk about Hanu and, and how it's been for us, you know, in the, in the last uh, couple of years since, since he passed. So definitely a really special time. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, and obviously, you know, most of, let's say, Hanno's fans are, you know, Finland or, or you know, the UK where, where he drove a lot. But it was, it was great to see a lot of, you know, fans who remembered, um, you know, Hanno and, and uh, his time at Audi, but also, uh, you know, driving the escorts in Germany. So I was, you know, pleasantly surprised that there were a lot of yeah. people who, who really, you know, had a strong association with, um, you know, with, with memories of, of him driving. And, um, you know, I mean, Christian Geisdorfer was there, you know, Walter's longtime co-driver, but he was also Hanu's co-driver later on with, with Mazda for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was sharing some great stories and, and um, you know, those were really kind of the key moments as well for me was just, you know, asking them what they remembered of Hanu and kind of, you know, telling some stories and, and you know, remembering him uh, and together. So uh, that was that was great. And I mean, everyone, again, was saying, you know, what a gentleman he was and, and um you know, how, how much, um, you know, they enjoyed working with him or, or just being with him um, during those times. So I think that was, um, you know, 
truly, truly uh, great to be a part of. Do you get many opportunities like that? I mean, I think that's for me, just covering the, the, um, I cover the Audi brand in particular, right? And I have most of my career, but, but I look back at that era and it's, it's very hard to, uh, it's not to, to get a personal nature of it, right? This is before the time of, of social media or, or, you know, digital, you know, stories about everything, right? When they, what all I did was Lamal, there was so much, so many more photographs taken, so much more video shot, you know, the truth in 24 documentaries, et cetera. There's, uh, it's a, a much more media, uh, supported world today but but the but much like the cars the era they drove is is um uh is so less covered and makes it that much more perhaps interesting to, to a lot of us today right but there's uh i i can only i know how much it, it is for how valuable it is for me to piece stories like that together when i hear it but i i you know i'd imagine maybe more so for you you guys you're on on one hand you you know you have had your father there and, and, and uh, were able to hear his stories from him, but being able to piece it now as you get together with these other people too, I, I'd imagine it's a fascinating experience and also emotional, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. And I mean, I, one of the things that my mom kept a, a lot of is like newspaper articles, you know, so we were going through those, like, I forget maybe a year ago and, and it's crazy like to see like how much you was actually written back then, you know, a lot of it is finished media stuff, but yeah. like, you know, most of those things are gone. Like there's no archive of them, you know, no one like really, it's a newspaper that's not around anymore, you know, and nobody right. kept it. So we didn't try to digitize some of, some of that stuff. And, and uh, Vesa actually did this, like there was a huge drawer just of photos that he had, like, you know, hmm. thousands of pictures that people have given to him over the years, you know, that, that he kept. So just kind of going through those and trying to understand like what's from where and, you know, who are the people in the picture with him right. and stuff. So it's um it's really cool and I think some of it's coming to light like on Instagram there's accounts that share this stuff and are kind of putting some of these pictures yeah. you know that as, as they find from other photographers and actually um Alois who we mentioned like one of the people he had brought on to the rally was the son of one of the original photographers who had had been there and and he uh is also a very famous photographer himself but what he actually realized was he found in his father's collection, like some un unpublished pictures of Hanu at the original Olympia rally. So hmm. he was like, Hey, we're going to do this calendar of like, you know, current photos from the rally with, with the old pictures and do some yeah. of the unreleased photos. So it's cool that that stuff still exists out there, you For know, sure. and, uh, we created an Instagram account together, which is Mikola rally where we posted like a lot of stories and pictures about what we're doing. So we want to like release that picture there, you know, so people yeah. can like find like, Hey, there's stuff that like none of us have seen that's still there, you know, that can help kind of bring the story back to light in a way. That's excellent. So it was that photo. Yeah, and one, <clears throat> but I'm curious, the photographer, was that photo crawling without a tradition or I know. Uh, uh, no, not without a tradition. No, another, okay. another photographer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I think we're obviously immensely proud, you know, of what he achieved and, you know, he was, yeah. he was part of really the, the golden era of rallying, but I think also it's kind of a interesting, you know, slash weird dynamic at times, because, you know, first of all, he was, you know, dad and, and father to us and, and, you know, a really great one at that. Right. And, and, you know, there's been countless times where, you know, he's been, you know, or was more than supportive and, and, you know, really kind of steered us in the right direction and provided the, the, the right guidance, you know, when, when we were growing up. So I, I think that in kind of retrospect or, and, and even, you know, since, since he passed has been kind of weird because there's so much that people remember or, you know, um, have memories of him, you know, that are kind of public that aren't, you know, normal, like family kind of memories mm -hmm. and that type of stuff. So 
there's kind of two, I have two, let's say levels of it. One is obviously what he did, you know, in his career, which we're, you know, immensely proud of and, and, and always, you know, super interested in hearing more, but then, you know, what uh, obviously I hold closer and, and dearer sure. to my heart is, you know, the, the family side of it and, and what an awesome dad he was. I'll tell you if, um, like the the magazine i don't know if, if it's uh maybe i just got lucky but maybe it's relevant so i'll suggest it to you um i i also try and like you know finding resources of that era is, is very hard to do and so i've started looking on like you know ebay and just setting up a search or whatever i recently found like i think it was ebay france i found some interesting stories like matt literally somebody must have cut up a magazine and was like selling like particular stories but i found like some on michelle right so like they're and some are haunting one was like uh right after her father passed she left the you know obviously left the race uh and went and and uh said goodbye to her dad and then and um uh you know at his funeral and and uh and so seeing that i guess she must have been such a figure in france right like of 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 the paparazzi following her around etc like it's it's such a it's such a crazy eye of that into that time which is uh anyway that 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 um it doesn't it's not often that stuff pops up but i've at this point i've set up a search and so when i see it i try and grab it because it's usually pretty reasonably priced and you know it's it, finding it is kind of random at this point and there's so few opportunities to see these little windows of, of what it was like for them at that time Mm. interesting yeah, you cool. mentioned ebay i actually work for ebay right now or eBay oh, do you? Motors, so. <laughs> so, so that's great but yeah. a little plug um, but yeah what uh, i was yeah. gonna say is i think what's like crazy is that in those days like it's, it's hard to think of now but i mean rally was at the level of formula one in terms of popularity especially in these these european countries like where you had rally drivers that were doing really well so it's now obviously not not the same but i think from that perspective it makes sense why like there was so much media at that time covering these drivers and what was going on and like vesa said the world championship was just created you know there's all this like it really almost what was really interesting about the articles that that my mom had kept some were like explaining like what the career of a race car driver is because people didn't realize that like you could make a living driving cars you know and yeah. then explaining like to someone in central Finland that, you know, huh. this guy who was born in Yuen, so was like racing and rallying, you know, right. from, from London to Mexico and winning, you know, and, and what that meant and that there could be a job and you were world famous in the places you're going to. So right now it's like, you know, common knowledge, like, yeah, some people go down that career, but I think at the time it was just starting to develop into something you could do professionally. And I think the fan interest during, especially the group B area, just, just, Peaked, yeah. you know and it was at, at such a high level that you know the everybody was under a lot of microscope from the press and there were just huge crowds and people so interested in what was going on yeah and even the tabloid media i mean um, yuha uh would know because he was featured in it as, as a baby but in 82 when when honda won the thousand lakes rally he was literally you know on the podium with the audi quattro and yuha was one year old and and, and our mom you know, gave Yuha to, to Hanu to hold like in the car when he was like literally stationary, wasn't moving anywhere. And, and you know, just to kind of sit with him in his lap and, yeah. you know, the Finnish ta tabloids wrote about like, oh, what a, you know, reckless father oh, Hanu gosh. is for, for letting his small baby into a rally car and this type of stuff. So there's definitely that, you know, even back then. It was his uh, Michael Jackson moment, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting, right? Like today, I I don't really know that WRC, you, you know, you mentioned that how popular it was at the time, right? I don't know that, I, I don't know, maybe the paparazzi don't do chase around the WRC, but certainly not that it's relevant to the, in the US because we don't have a round. And, um, but it was at such a level at the time and, and maybe so relatable. And the fact that it was going into these parts of these countries that, 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 you know, you know, we can't all live in Monaco, right? So like, so um, exposure to people and the relatability of these cars that you see driving down the road um 
it, Raleigh was at this. Yeah, and the access to the drivers too. I, it wasn't, you know, uh, a separate, you know, paddock with with you know credentials and and all kinds of stuff to get into, right? Like they would service by side of the road. You know, you could literally be there camping or watching or whatever, and and you know potentially even just go talk to the drivers. So right. the access accessibility was was totally at a different level, and and you know the rally drivers at that time were kind of you know everyday heroes because they were driving cars that kind of looked looked like the ones that you drive at home, um, but then also you had access where you could kind of talk and, and actually engage with them too. Are you, you mentioned some of these, um, I'm just Googling there, not Googling, but searching on uh, on Facebook. You mentioned some of these Facebook groups where they post some of these photos, right? Like there's, um, I know there's one that's like Audi Sport Heritage or something like that, that I'm on where you see these. And and like you said, the the a lot of the photos getting posted and, and like, close-up shots of the drivers kind of doing things i've seen a lot of your dad and and michelle and and walter like like or fans right they're just people who attended the race and and happened to uh, get access to them walk off on them or you know wherever they were um i don't know it's just such an open cool thing you know that can't doesn't really happen today yeah, yeah. And it's cool to stumble upon there's a really good group that that's in finnish um you know diehard or long-term fans started it, it's in finnish but they they post you know, pictures of Hanu from, you know, throughout his career. And, you know, sometimes you see stuff that no one's ever seen before because it's from a personal, you know, collection yeah. or somebody snaps some shots, you know, uh, and, and obviously, you know, a thousand lakes rally went by, uh, you know, lakes and, and gravel roads with a lot of summer cottages around the place. So, you know, people would be basically watching from, you know, the porches of their sauna <laughs> when, when the rally cars were going by. So <laughs> Great, you, you see it. that place. Up. Yeah, exactly. You definitely see some, uh, some cool stuff pop up every once in a while it's funny too just with that that period like i i a uh, couple uh you know, a while back i i also interviewed on here peter burt whistle who's the designer uh, he was young designer at audi sport at the time or sorry at audi at the time uh and he designed the audi sport quattro um is kind of one of his more known audi designs before he leaves uh the brand but but he talked about in kind of in his spare time they would hang out down at the old supermarket that was the audi sport facility and like he would in his spare time paint the livery on the car like it was very you know, very, very, it was Audi of, of another era, right? Like, which is, 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 it's so fascinating to see how, you know, the roots of where it was at the time. Yeah. And I think Audi is a brand, I mean, it's the only brand that's ever been able to really leapfrog from, you know, a, a lower end kind of mass market brand, you know, into the luxury space. So I, I think, huh. you know, rallying played a huge, huge role in that. Right. And, and I think, um, you know, plays a pivotal part in, in, in the history of Audi being able to to you know, jump uh, essentially market segments, which no OEM has has ever done um, to to where it is today, right? You know, as long as I've been around the brand, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, that's that's come to think of it, I'm not really sure. I know of I, others have tried, right? But I but I'm not yeah. so sure anybody's really done it successfully other than Audi. Yeah, and, yeah, and there and was, I mean, yeah. yeah, I was going to say Hanno always talked about a, a survey I think that they had done before they went rallying in in some markets where more people thought that Audi was uh, a washing machine brand than a car <laughs> brand, you know, and, and uh, one of the biggest things that they accomplished with rally was like, no one made that mistake anymore. You know, everybody knew that this is a, this is a car and it's got insane performance. So it was definitely yeah. a huge, huge thing for Audi as a brand and, and let, let them kind of develop and, and lift the brand into the next level. That's wild. That's it. You spent time at Audi Canada, you said? 
I did, yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of stuck to, to the automotive industry. So I, I was there uh, for a while, worked for another couple of brands. And, and, and most recently, before eBay, I was at Volkswagen Canada. So, okay. uh, you know, spent, spent some time with the group and, you know, visited Ingolstadt a few times. And um, it was great to go to Audi Tradition. It was my second time there and, and just kind of seeing that that history um, and, and, and also working for the company that, that you know, Hanno uh, was a part of, I thought was, you know, something that, that drew me to it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. By the way, it came full circle. So, I, I guess. Oh, so another question on the Audi front. Then, uh, in reading uh, your story on on Dirtfish, maybe it was you who uh, you wrote it, correct? The, the yeah, story. yeah, I did. But obviously, with Vesa's Vesa's input, it was all our, our kind of memories from there. So, so the, you said it was your first time in the Quattro. Was that for you in particular? For both of you, or in it, maybe just in, this, in the competition car, or the first time in one of them? In, at all yeah so actually yeah it was the first time for me to drive one uh for sure um Hanu actually had a s1e2 that was uh the uh, car that he had won uh the kind of rally before rally finland that was kind of the test uh rally that they did every year so he owned that car for a few years um and that originally came from david sutton who prepared all the audis for for rallying he was my godfather actually and then oh, that car ended up from david to hanu and hanu kept it for a while and i always remember riding with him in in the uk I, I got to jump in the car and just he's like okay we're just gonna go on a couple public roads and i'll show you what this thing can do and it was just such a crazy experience and then he ended up selling that car later on but it was definitely like one of those moments that when i look back now as a kid like i'll never forget you know that experience of jumping in there yeah yeah, and I, I it, like through Goodwood and, and some other events. Uh, I, I remember uh, many years ago um, we went to to Ingolstadt, and and um, I, I recall there being some sort of uh, kind of festival where they would drive a lot of the museum cars around the Donau River, which was close by. So uh, I got to jump in a, in a car like way back when uh, with with Hanu, and then obviously more recently at Goodwood and stuff. Some some originals, some replicas, but um, you know that that five cylinder sound definitely is uh, is the sound of Audi for me. Yeah, yeah, it's very unique and so cool. Well, this is amazing. Well, I guess well, the other thing, I, I my other question I had for you in regards to, uh, to the rally, are they doing it again? I think I, I saw you guys mention you might be going back next year for the anniversary of your dad's championship. So is that, uh, they'll be doing it yeah, again next so year? That was more like we had a couple of like Audi folks like as part of the rally. And one of the things we started talking about was like it's the 40-year mark of the championship. And I think it's also the 40 year anniversary of Audi sport being like an organization. So we started kicking around the, the idea of like, maybe we could come back with the families, you know, and, and yeah. uh, take, take a look. And uh, even, even this kind of crazy idea of maybe doing an RS three, like Audi exclusive order, you know, that we could pick up over there. So it's all kind of hush hush right now. And we're trying to figure out what we could do, but it could be really amazing. And I know that that, that five cylinder is not going to last in Audi's lineup for much longer. So I feel no, like now's yeah, the time to, pick one up, you know, and do something special with it. This is probably the last of the breed, right? And it's such a, the new car I hear. So I haven't had a chance to take a spin in one yet, but I hear it's, Me neither. It, yeah, I hear it's very good. It's incredible for sure. From everything I read, it's, it's like, it's the best one yet. Right. So it's, right. it's it would be a really cool thing to do. For yeah. Sure. And I think in terms of the rally, I don't think they're going to be able to do that like anytime soon, unless it's like the 75, uh, 75th anniversary, because okay. literally like we started in North and Kiel, you know, close to the Baltic ocean and we ended it, you know, in Bavaria and Munich, you know, so literally we went across the country, you know, in six or seven days. So just the sheer, you know, logistical effort is not sure. something that that's kind of, you know, very feasible to, to do every year. Yeah. Well, 
perhaps figure something else out that would be yeah hopefully there are some you know maybe some audi tradition events in in the future or something like that that we could be a part of so uh absolutely i think it would be great to to you know keep that connection going and and, and have the ability to kind of you know keep his memory alive but then also uh you know continue to experience the, the amazing uh you know rally machinery that that he drove yeah well i mean we in regards to this we'll we'll do a story in the magazine I, you know and and additionally if you guys do more events we'd love to cover and beyond that should you ever you know we're, we're us and canada right is is the way we so if, should you ever find yourselves out wanting to an event we'd love to include you in in anything but but if you're doing events too let us know I, we'd love to send our members to to cheer you on and 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 follow along I mean, it's, it's such a uh, you know i it like um, I like seeing your dad at Sebring. Similarly, when, when Tim uh, Mascus dropped me a note that that uh, you guys were had taken part in it, might be interested in telling your story here, et cetera. Like, uh, it's just a, um, a, a pleasurable reminder that I, I forget that y'all are are here on our side of the pond and and uh, would would love to to you know do more with you if that's an opportunity. Really yeah, Tim's that. such a great guy, and and uh, you know he was part of the Lake Superior uh, you know trip that that Hanoi had, so he's. Uh, he's such a such a super fan, and and the only thing I kicked myself was that he was he was selling a, a one of his quattros, one of his quattros, and and uh, that was right before the crazy price increases that we see uh, now, and and I didn't buy it, so that's that's what I'm kicking myself about. <laughs> pretty much any asset you can say that about yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. right. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, really appreciate that. Thanks for the interest in doing this. Um, it's really fun for us, and and super cool, and and definitely huge fans of the brand and and everything you guys are doing too. So we'll we'll for sure Thank keep you. in touch. And if you're ever in Miami, let me know. We, maybe without Woody being an F1, it's going to be a good reason to oh, to, I, to come over here mm -hmm. for some races. I bet it will. Yeah. Well, all right. So quick before you guys before we wrap this up, I'm curious uh, with your with the rallying history and and uh, and the technology history that also kind of goes along with your dad. What what are your thoughts on Dakar? Right, like to me, that's almost the more interesting one, right? Like Formula One's cool. I'm 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 super happy to see Audi going that way. But Dakar is such a both a science fair and return to rally at the same time. I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, from my side, I've never like followed it super close. Like I I, I asked Hanno a few times, like why he never actually did the the rally and. He was never one to be like, oh, you know, like it's dangerous. But that one, he was like, it's dangerous. He's like, the, <laughs> the sand shifts so much. He's like, yeah. I'd rather not do that one, you know, because you could you could have pace notes and you could know what's coming up and overnight it shifted, you know. So he he kind of opted out of out of doing that. So I, I definitely respect the guys who go out there and do it. And I think with the technology Audi's like bringing, it's it's kind of it's not quite the four wheel drive leap, you know. But they're definitely yeah. trying to push forward with showing like, hey this is not just like another team. We're doing something technologically really different. So I think that's super cool. And hopefully they're going to have a lot of success with it. I mean, it looked, it looked amazing already from what they were able to put together. Yeah. And then I, I think what's, what's cool about the Dakar program and, and, you know, other forms of motorsport, I think kind of having the engineering freedom to really push the envelope fits, fits really well with the brand and Audi specifically. And obviously, you know, the, the massive push we have to electrification right now. So I, I kind of like yeah. that they're able to, you know, develop that, that, that platform a lot, you know, and, and uh, undoubtedly Formula One will also provide that opportunity. But I think when yep. you kind of have more of a blank canvas or, or a blank sheet to, to start, you know, doing something from scratch, I think that's where, uh, you know, it has a nice tie into to the past and the history of kind of Quattro and that, that amazing technology that they, they brought to, brought to rallying. So uh, I, I'm a fan of that. And, and I mean, if you compare it to Formula E, you know, a few years ago, you know, that, that to me, 
probably has less less of an appeal, you know, for for being an Audi fan than than something where they can really you know push the envelope from an engineering and technology perspective. Right, and at least yeah. be back on gravel. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, totally. But, yeah. but I think and Carlos signs a rally driver, you know, driving. Yeah. It, that's cool. Yeah, Not that's a, really cool. Not a bad thing. I, I I find the Audi brand is always best when, like you said, when they can push the technology, right? So like when they are there, whether it's Quattro or Rally, whether it was like uh, later, um, you know, well, gosh, the 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 with the R8 LMPs, the the way you could change things out and get stay on the track so quickly, the transmission changes and everything else, maybe a little less sexy than all wheel drive, but certainly significant to winning and then TDI and then the, you know, the, the hybrid, et cetera. And now, and now this, like, it's, it's such a, um, it's going into more of a spec series, like formula. E, yeah. It's interesting and whatever, but, but when they can really push their technology, it's, it's fascinating. So anyway, well, guys, I really appreciate you giving me some time today and, 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 uh, uh, please don't be strangers. We'd love to do more with you and, and, and cover you more as, as ever you may do things. So, um, I thank you so much. Thanks so much. Love this. This is awesome. Thanks, George. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for including us. And uh, yeah, this was this was a lot of fun.